da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Well, we did it, man, fam. We finally made it to the end of 2020, so to speak. We've been there. The film end 2020. Feels good. It's as much anticipated, long-awaited for me personally. Couldn't wait to get this year behind us. On to nicer things, on to greener pastures. So here we are. Rants and raves. The best and worst of 2020. Welcome in. Mad About Movies. Thank you for being here. I'm Kent Garrison. And uh, with my co-hosts, Brian Gill, Richard Barton. Good to have you both here. And it's going to be awesome to recap this uh, year in movies. But special shout out to our VIPs who are joining us every week in our VIP club and on our Discord. Um, They got to enjoy our first season of the Opus episode that we Mm. just, just completed. And it was fun. We're talking about the U.S. office and uh, every season. And we're also kicking off our Marvel Cinematic Universe retrospective next week in the, uh, in the VIP. So if we've got any Marvel fans. Any of those movies, so yeah. I'm if we've got any Marvel them. fans that listen to the show, yeah. might be of interest. And, uh, and especially Office fans as well. We are all three mm-hmm. huge, huge Office fans. Aficionados, mm-hmm. if you will. Experts and um, even. Yeah. Yeah, well... You can you can claim that. Okay, uh, I'm an affi- I'll take aficionado. I like that. <laughs> it sounds good too. Mm-hmm. Aficionado. You still su- subscribe to cigar aficionado, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Uh, all aficionados. You don't if, smoke cigars. If, you just love Tom Selleck. No. If it has, you know, I, I I subscribe to like notebook paper aficionado. Yes, yeah. I want to be an aficionado. You know who doesn't? And uh, so yeah, check out those episodes for The Office and. Uh, and especially the MCU coming up next week. That's going to be fun. But anyway, without further ado, here we are, best and worst of 2020. And guys, normally we talk about, you know, a little recap of the year, kind of kind of general talk before we get into the lists, but, you know, not much to say about 2020. I think everyone kind of <laughs> kind of knows what happened. I'm going to go uh, out on a limb and say worst of 2020, corona virus. <laughs> not the beer, the virus. Uh, Maybe best of 2020. That's fine. Yeah, yeah that can go on the list. Best of 2020. I'm going to say my for me, I got the Ember Mug. You guys oh, uh, nice. familiar with the Ember Mug? Very nice. Yeah. This uh, Batman Shane turned me on to this one on the pod. I think it was our technology episode this past year. And I got uh, sitting here with my Ember Mug. Those of you who aren't familiar, it's a mug that keeps your coffee warm. For and, real uh, coffee drinkers. Yes. We don't need that. That you're that's a poser move. You you, you never drink cold coffee. Up. It doesn't get cold, man. It doesn't get cold. I drink it in ninety seconds tops. That's, that's you're and a I drink real coffee it black. drinker. If you drink it in ninety seconds, you can. and I drink it black like a man. None of that. <laughs> I don't meddle with it like you. Oh yeah, I'm, this is I'm a, all about a, getting the best possible flavor if combination. You need, if you need some something to nurse your coffee hot, I mean that's like putting ice in your beer. No, I mean, it's not. Just, what? Man, this is a hot take for you. Yeah, this is. I'm anti. So, so, so you're you're Unless okay they want with, to sponsor with warm beer. 
That's what you're saying here, no, too? No, I drank my beer fast enough. It gets, it stays cold. It's not a, this, I'm not, I don't have a beer for 45 minutes. It's a 12-minute thing. Literally, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a 10, 10 minutes. Like, I'll, I'll make it, I'll make some coffee and then I'll like, you know, take the dog out, feed the cat. Do some chores around the house, check my email, and then the coffee needs to be reheated. I'm like, dude. We need to look at the, the insulation coffee. at your apartment then. Maybe no. It's, maybe that's this too is much. Com- dude, this is a, this or is your a common I mean, thing. I have a, but a regular kind of slightly thermalized mug will keep a cup of coffee hot for 30 minutes. Long enough, more than enough to drink. Scalding, you know, dude, I am, I'm, I'm completely I'm usually with you on, on this. this kind of thing. It's a 10 minute, five, to, you got a, you got a, a good, <laughs> One to five minutes, and plus you got to let it cool because you know what? Rarely get the rarely get the perfect temperature. Wow! Straight out of the. I didn't realize. Rarely, man. This is some soft. Let the coffee cool. I don't want to burn my lips. Man, well, you're salty today. I cat, kind of dig it. But... Callous your lips, man. I'm this, serious. Richard, ri- this is Richard. The the coffee comes out, and he immediately pours yes. the scalding coffee into his yes. mouth before 90 seconds is up. Uh, that sounds I drink, awesome. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. Just I do. And I'll do espresso mug. pours straight and just shoot it down like a, like a, that sounds like not shot. enjoyable. Right? You know what? It sounds agree great. to disagree. Just sitting here with my, yeah. my Ember. I'm, I got my, my 90 minute podcast. We're about to record here and I can have my, <laughs> be four my coffee be, Fully, fully warm. I love the Ember mug. It's my best of 2020. Do you guys? If they're have sponsoring the show, then I love them as well. <laughs> they can, yeah, yeah. They're more than one. It's the Larry David uh, Latte Larrys. It's like mm-hmm. I don't need my uh, cold coffee. I need, I need these warm mugs here. What, what, what are we doing, uh, Mocha Joe? Come on. Um, so yeah, that's where I am, and I, I'm, I'm living a better life already in 2021, thanks to my Ember mug here, and it's going to be a better podcast because of it. I can already tell. You can already tell. So anything that you guys uh, liked in 2020 that you want to recommend before we uh, hit the list? No, there was nothing good in 2020. Hated it. Nothing. It was terrible. Like I'm it. on your side on the Ember, though. Sorry, Richard. You have an Ember? I don't, but I've thought about it because I'd like to sip. I'm a, I'm a, I, uh, I'll nurse it. I'm, I'm a sipper. So I, I, right now I have a, a, uh, like a lid that you would get at McDonald's or something is like covering my coffee so that it'll stay warmer and co- and hotter through the course of this here podcast. But, but you know, halfway through I'll have to heat up whatever's left of it or pour another cup or, or whatever. So yeah. And if I know I people are yelling at us right now. They're like, have you heard of the Yeti? Yes, I have a Yeti, yeah. but dude, yeah. it's not a mug. Yeah. I agree. I agree with the mug experience. I don't want the mug. I don't like coffee out of metal. Right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with, with you. you on that. I I support that Yeti coffee. My my wife does Yeti coffee every day, and it's I get the heat part. I get that, but the uh, it just tastes metallic to me. It ruins ruins the whole five. But if I we are six minutes and fifty seconds in the recording, this I'd already be on cup number two if I did coffee yeah. Yeah, when I'm we done. record. All right. <laughs> well, um, I think we should kick off with the worst of the year, and um, this it. was a year of some pretty bad movies. Believe it or not, you know it's hard to it's hard to say that it's hard to say it's believable that uh, a year where everything was pushed out of the year that would have bad movies. But here we are. Um, so what we're gonna do? We're gonna we're gonna go through here and go go through our lists. Um, you can find my list uh, on Letterboxd. Uh, actually, let me unlock my list so, so you can see it. Uh, follow me on Letterboxd. Uh, that's where I kept my my rankings this year. I saw looks like sixty new movies. In oh, 2020, nice. um, 
I'm, I, I skipped a lot of the uh, ones, Brian, I'm sure you saw. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the Trolls 2s, the, the Croods 2s, <laughs> yeah. those mm-hmm. those ones. I didn't see those. I did see Scoob, though. So I saw that that animated movie and, of course, the Pixar ones and all that. But, yeah, there's there's a lot I didn't get to, I'm sure. So of the movies that I did see, I have 60 of them. And, um, yeah, we'll just go worst nice. to best. Um, I think I got through 85 yeah. today was my was my number wow. for the year. Nice. So well, there still, you go. I mean – Low for normal year. That's though. low for Brian. I mean, yeah, normally you're like four ninety five. Yeah, <laughs> and that's new movies. I'll give myself credit for for pandemic years. So, yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go bottom ten here, guys. Um, I'm gonna go with my number ten of the year. Is uh, is a movie called Project Power? Mm. <laughs> I've seen this. We did an episode on this, yeah, because yeah. that's what 2020 was was a lot of a lot of streaming. Nobody projected we power <laughs> in the movie. It was disappointing. Yeah, uh, yeah no, uh, this one could have been better, should have been better. I'm surprised it's just low on my list. To be honest, I kind of rank these as I go through the year, and and here we are and reading them. I'm surprised it's just low because it was somewhat enjoyable, but. But yeah, it, you know these movies when you spend two hundred million dollars on them or whatever, uh, you expect them to be. A little bit better than they typically are, and Netflix had some some better ones this year. I will say that, and we'll talk about that in our news episode. We'll talk about what Netflix has coming out uh, in 2021 mm-hmm. in our news episode uh, later. But but yeah, that's my uh, my ten worst of the year. My number ten is Project Power. What's uh, <laughs> what's y'all's number ten, Brian? That will show up later too on mine at least. Project okay. Power will, yeah. Richard and I were talking about the year. This is a this is a weird year for, for a million reasons, obviously. But for our purposes here tonight, I mean, my I mean, I I saw whatever eighty five movies. I definitely have ten bad movies that are on my list here. But there's maybe only three or four that I would say would be on the bottom ten, like in mm. any given year. You know, like that are just all time. Like that's a, just a terrible movie. I've got several that are going to be here at the bottom of this. That's like. It's a bad movie, but it's not. Uh, it's not historically bad. So, uh, I think that's just the product of, or a byproduct of. There weren't that many movies that we saw. We didn't see as many. Obviously, hardly any in theaters. Things like that. So, um, my number ten is Doolittle. That uh, came out at the beginning Ooh, of twenty twenty. Didn't see that one. Didn't see that one. That one would have been on here. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty rough. And, and still, again, it's bad. It's it's not. Uh, I'm not sure it's quite historically bad as it has been has been kind of uh, labeled as, but this is one of only two movies that I can remember taking Cooper to see that he was like, "Meh, not interested." Like, not good. We, we walked out and he just kind of gave me the eh, thumbs up th- or thumbs down sort of reaction to it. So, this and that uh, uh, Jim Parsons animated movie that that we like to make fun of, uh, waving home. their hands like they just do not care. Yeah, he did not home care about that. Yeah. yeah. Home. So number ten for me is Doolittle. Richard, yeah, along with Brian. I mean, I saw the least amount of movies of of the three of you this year. I didn't seek out bad movies. We didn't do episodes on mm-hmm. uh, because I don't have the uh, completest thing when it comes to movies. Then I don't want to encourage that of myself because I have it in other things. So, so yeah, there are, there are movies on the bottom. My worst of the year. I I I talked to Brian. I was like, should I just do a bottom five or should I actually do my rankings? And like I don't know, my last three you'll see uh, here are like not bad. That 
like they're like B minus C plus movies, and I have to put them. I decide that I'm going to do ten, so they're going to be my worst of the year. But uh, it's not the normal year where number ten is like, oh man, remember that? Oh, that was awful. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, that was okay. But uh, so let me just get that. Let me get that out there. Uh, but once you get towards the top of the worst list, you know they're pretty crappy and would be bad in any year. Uh, so my uh, first worst, my number ten worst film of the year is Wonder Woman 1984, which was oh. <laughs> uh, which was fine, but it was you know like I only saw, I did a thing I think I saw like thirty something movies, so only yeah. ten movies aren't in one of these lists. Mm-hmm. Let's so, see where it is on yeah. mine. It looks like it's number forty six. So wow, so only slightly out of the the bottom ten. Wow, that's mm. way worse <laughs> than I thought it would have been. That's that's amazing. Right. Yeah. So just a weird yeah, year. You're right. So like just a weird year and like uh, it's it's gonna make my list, but uh, I won't spend a lot of time on it because this isn't a movie that deserves to be totally trashed. It's like a kind of disappointing sequel by WB, who doesn't make a whole lot of good movies. So it's like higher tier on their world, but you know it's fine. So yeah, there it is. Boom, Brian. What? Uh, yep, that was kick my, us off. Uh, your uh, yeah, number. Your next one. Number nine is a little movie that uh, made its debut on Netflix right around uh, right around Halloween, starring American Treasure Adam Sandler. It's Hubie Halloween. Either of you guys watch this? Uh, I did. Not. If I, I had did. kids, I would have. But I, I that's don't. actually best the part next worst one uh, than Wonder Woman on my list. Okay, worse right. than Wonder Woman. Uh, I actually did not hate this one. More wow, okay. like I like I usually hate these Adam Sandler movies. Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. one was like, if it's Halloween and I've had something to drink, I'd probably <laughs> watch this again. You know, because it had some fun cameos in it, and Ben Stiller plays the Hal character from Happy Gilmore again, which I love. Um, so yeah, I had some fun moments, but it was not good. Um, it's my number forty. It's the forty seventh best <laughs> film of the year for sure. <laughs> It was for me, uh, I will give it this. It ended better than it began. So like the last 30 minutes was, was somewhat redeeming to it, I guess. But I very nearly turned this off halfway through. And if I had, it would have been probably like the worst thing about it is Sandler. Like, yeah, it was was like his character is all is so dumb, but everything around it, I kind of liked, um, I don't like his these accents that he does, like these little Nicky <laughs> accents <laughs> that he just the, the goes back to the well mm-hmm. on. I, yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't good. I don't know. It's not good. Yeah. Love Sandler. Love when he's funny. I'm fine with him doing these things, cause, as we've said many times, because it's like, whatever, he's paying the bills and he'll he'll do a special every now and then or he'll do an uncut gems and things like we'll be fine. But get that money, buddy. But uh, but it, it was bad. It was very bad. So that's my number nine. Hubie Halloween. All right. Mine is. Um, Irresistible, directed by John Stewart. Mm. Did you guys see this one? I did. Yeah, With Steve Carell. Yeah, yeah great intentions on this one. You know, trying to make a political comedy drama. I love John Stewart. This is not the vehicle for him. I understand passion projects, and I understand Steve Carell wanting to do this with him, and and all that. But this was so boring. It was not funny. I. I I don't know what's going on with Steve Carell uh, lately and the projects that he's doing is just like he's hanging out with friends, but none of them are good. Uh, I think he only needs a little more guidance there, but this was not a good movie. Irresistible is on my worst of the year list. Richard. 
Yeah. So my number nine is another pretty big movie that came out. Um, actually, I had high hopes for this one, like the trailer, but the, the movie itself left me cold. My number nine worst film of the year is Mulan. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just thought, you know, we talked about some of the problematic things about it, but also just, uh, you know, wasn't as entertaining as it could have been. Um, there's some pretty cool set pieces, but, you know, again, uh, in most years, this isn't a bottom 10 film, but for me, it just, uh, it it's it seemed like a real cash grab, even bef- pre-pandemic, you know, even before they're like, you know, making you pay 40 bucks for it or whatever. Uh, the, <laughs> um, yet another, let's remake an animated, you know, property. Uh, what started pretty fun with Cinderella got really cynical really fast. It is like the worst thing about Disney right now. They've got other good things going on, so they'll be fine. But uh, kind of a bummer and and uh, just another meh. I prefer the animated one, so there's that. Yeah, my my scale on, on when I rank these is, is kind of, is the movie as good as it could have been? You know, and the ones that are, are at the top of the list. The ones that aren't at the bottom. Mulan certainly was not as good as it could have been. I I agree with that. And if you want our full thoughts, we do have a full episode on Mulan. Uh, Brian, you want to go with your next one? Yeah. Number eight is the last movie I watched. Actually, I I watched it today while I was preparing for this episode. Uh, It popped up on Hulu. So I was like, yeah, what the heck? I'll, I'll knock out one more movie, and uh, it was bad. It was very bad. It's uh, it's called the. I don't even know if you guys will remember this. It's it's Blake Lively, the rhythm section. Oh yeah, yeah. Like oh, yeah, wasn't an action movie last year? I think. Yeah, it's like it a kind of. sort of a gritty taken sort of movie. Mm. You know, or what was the one that uh, Charlize was in? Atomic Blonde yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, it's it's clearly trying to do that, and it's clearly not succeeding like at all. It, it, plot didn't make any sense. I really like Blake Lively. Well, she's the greatest fighter not pilot. Opposed to her of our time. To, yeah, she was a pilot and the, the CEO of the company. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty cool. No, like I'm not opposed to her doing this kind of thing. Yeah. I think she. I mean, the action part of it, like she did okay with, but the plot of this movie made absolutely no sense. Her accent wasn't super great. It just was a. It was one of those that you, that you think, ah, this will be fine. It's not going to be a, a. There's no way this is like the worst of the movie, worst of the year, right? And then you're 20 minutes in and thinking, oh no, okay, it actually is. This is really, really bad and kind of. Uh, you know, when the movies do, I'm trying to think of a great example of this, but when they make the story unnecessarily bleak, like the whole thing is her family gets blown up in an explode in a, a bombing of a plane. And then it fast forwards three years and she's just like a prostitute. It, it feel, I don't know. It feels like a really strong Tried departure from that Shakespeare. Actually, <laughs> I think that plot. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, not if Jude law also got a paycheck for this clearly and did not. I mean, if you, I bet you, if you asked him today, he would say, absolutely. There's no way I did that movie, but yeah, he absolutely he, he like, did, what? So, the rhythm section yeah. is it? Was it the jazz movie yeah. I did? Or no, no chance he has any memory. Yeah. Of this. it was right. <laughs> very Michael Caney in his like heyday. Of like, yeah, it's fine. Just give me the check. But uh, so number eight, rhythm section. All right, my next one is one that I saw a lot of buzz about early in the year. Before I guess a lot of the quote unquote good movies of the year came out, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm into it. Let's let's check it out. It's called The Assistant. Did you see this one? Anybody? No. This one is about a uh, an assistant to a an executive 
this um, the actress's name is uh, Julia Garner. Remember her? Yeah, mm-hmm. I like her. Yeah, she's great. Uh, so she stars in it, and it's kind of about the uh, corporate—I uh, don't know—hierarchy of assistants and and all that. But I mean, the movie—I'm not kidding you—is literally like her making copies, talking on the phone. It's the most boring, <laughs> like mundane stuff you've ever seen on screen. I'm not joking. And uh, I was kept waiting for something to happen, mm. something interesting, and it's just this girl being an assistant in the movie. That's the movie. <laughs> I was like, why is this? Why are people... And she is uh, fine in the movie. There's no big acty moments in it at all. You know, it's really kind of under, understated the whole the whole time. So I didn't get like the the Oscar praise at the time for that. And it was just so confused. Maybe I, I'm not the target audience for it. I'm sure I'm going to get an email that says I'm not. But yeah, didn't get the assistant at all. And it was pretty was well reviewed too, right? So yeah, hot, I, know, I, take. I mean, yeah. you guys watch it. Maybe y'all will love it. I didn't yeah. get it at all, and like I said, maybe I'm just not the the person for uh, for it. But uh, me, man, that one was that one was a rough, rough. That almost turned. She's out playing uh, so Jay Gardner's playing uh, Chandra's doing like a mini series on that Anna Delvey, that like con artist, that Russian girl in New York City mm-hmm. that conned all those people, and she's playing her. So that could be cool. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, like I really her enjoy a lot. her. I think she could be really good. Yeah, yeah Mar- Mar- Marcy May, I saw, I saw her in uh, last, I think, and uh, she was in that Waco series with she was? Taylor Kitsch, yeah. if you guys saw it. Ozark, great on Ozark. She, she was great on the Americans. Americans she was yep. great, yeah. Those are the most cringy scenes ever, but she's great in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man, I just didn't, didn't get the assistant, so that's my next one on the list. I'll go to my next one. The Call of the Wild is my next yeah. worst of the wow. worst of the did not like it at all. Like I say, the on the scale of as good as it could have been, not as good as it could have been. Didn't didn't buy the dog for even a quarter of a <laughs> of a half a millisecond in the movie. Didn't understand that. I know why they did that because you got to shoot dogs in uh in like Arctic conditions, and that's like a liability issue. And they shot this whole movie, I think, on a soundstage because Harrison Ford didn't want to do do anything. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what the result, and it was it was not good. Did not like it. Call of the Wild. I guess it's number okay. eight or six, seven. I don't know. It's my next one. My next worst. Seven. Brian, what's okay. your next one? Number seven is a movie we uh, we did an episode on. We did it pre pre uh, recently here, so I won't go on and on. But it's Hillbilly Elegy, which I think I gave a D at the time, or maybe even a C minus. But I I like it even less since we talked. Just the more I thought about it, the more I was like, that's like a really crappy movie. So uh, I think that's probably the worst Amy Adams has ever been in a movie, and it bums me out because I think she's good and she is just trying so hard for her Oscar, and this ain't it. This is not it. So Hillbilly Elegy is number seven for me. I just realized I forgot a uh, a movie on to, to add to my list. I didn't put New Mutants anywhere <laughs> on here. That probably would have been bottom ten if I'd added it. Maybe I'll add it uh, for the VIPs. We'll see it later where it ends up. But uh, that I, that was one that I caught the last couple of days, and whoo, that was that was tough. That was tough and rough. Uh, yeah, Hillbilly Elegy is um, actually my, not my next one, but my next one after that. So. Okay. Um, Kind of like in my number five, I guess, um, worst of the year. Uh, Richard, what's your next one? Seven. Yeah, my number seven is another one. That was a Netflix piece. Uh, we did an episode on it, I believe, last summer. 
Um, you know, fine little Netflix action movie, but kind of, uh, and I, I liked a lot, some of it, but it was, uh, there was some, some rougher parts to it as, as time goes on, but they're going to make more, I guess. Uh, the old guard. So the old guard is the classic would be right in the middle of most years, but, uh, you know, due to there not being that many movies this year, it's going to be, it's going to be in my bottom, my, uh, bottom 10, but yeah, right around here's the cut where these movies coming up now start to be actually bad. So those, that's the kind of last in terms of my, my, uh, my rankings, but yeah, we did a whole episode on that one. It's, it's fine. It's a good little like cable movie. I, I liked it fine, but, uh, love Charlize, but but it's not like a very well-made film in a lot of ways too. And there's some technical issues with it uh, that Brian points out on the show that, that are, that are kind of glaring. I, I enjoyed the old guard. I think we, I think I said, I would, uh, you know, if they want to go, let's do a trilogy of these. I think I'd be, I think I'd be in for that. I think there's some fun mythos there. It was right in the middle of my list. It was number 34 on my list, slightly ahead of the King of Staten Island, slightly below the vast of night. So that's where it ended up for me. But yeah, I'm kind of middle of the road on it. And um, one of the more enjoyable, it wasn't bright. It wasn't mute. It wasn't one of those Netflix <laughs> ones. It was, uh, it was, it was in the, the higher tier, I would say higher tier of those. But yeah, what's uh, what, what any thoughts on it, Brian, or where it ended up for you? Uh, I think I gave it like a B minus on the episode. And that's probably, that's about where I have it. I mean, it's, it's kind of, if I'd only seen thirty movies this year, maybe it would uh, it would be on there. I'd, I'd, I'd put my phone down because it was it was going off, so I can't look at my letterbox at this right at this second. But uh, yeah, I mean it's not it's not good. And I, we we talked about it on that on that episode. I just I want these Netflix, and I'm sure this will come up in our news episode that we're going to do later this week. So stay tuned for that. I won't go long, but at some point these Netflix movies have got to get uh, have got to get a script. It can't just always be. Well, we got a face and a name, and then uh, and then look spent, at these fight scenes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We spent we spent our entire budget on Charlie Theron and the fight scenes, so the supporting actors are going to be pretty bad, and the script is going to suck. And that we, you know, th- that's fine for a while, but at a certain point, can we spend an extra five mil on? I don't know, like how much are script doctors? Can we, right. can we get somebody in here for a hundred k or something? Like, let's or like, let's what's the rush out. with these too? It's Netflix. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, like I, if it's spent, they, they wait an extra four weeks to yeah. get a better script. Like what's, I don't They don't have any kind of hard schedule. They set their own, their yeah. own thing. All they do is upload it to a server. That's, that's the release, you know, like they, yeah. there's I mean, no, look, I'm, I'm not a great writer, but if we'll talk wanna, about it later. Throw a few right. thousand bucks at me and, and, uh, help, let me, let me do a little script doctoring. I'm, I'm, I'm available. I think all three of us are, I, I don't know. It's just, there were so many things in that movie and it's the same as project power and some of the others that, that come our way. It's just like, really? Like you couldn't, you couldn't just kind of tune this up a little bit. Like it really wouldn't have been that hard to say triple frontier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to make it 10% better and 10% better would actually make a pretty big difference in, right. in some of these movies. So anyway, yeah, I, I digress. Yeah. There you go. Well, my next one on my movie uh, list, uh, the worst of the year is downhill. With two American treasures, Will Ferrell, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I was all in on this one. Love skiing. Love ski humor. I'm the target <laughs> audience for this. I love both of these uh, people. Not not really funny. And again, on the scale of as good as it could have been, very low on that list. It should have been a, a classic comedy. A timeless Groundhog Day-like 
comedy that we are talking about for 20 years. We all watch around Christmas time. It's not that at all. Flopped big. It, it did. It did ended up coming out in the theaters. Uh, you know, in January last mm. year, and, and was out before they'd even had a chance to close down. So <laughs> it was a. Uh, it was bad, and certainly one of the more disappointing movies of the year for me. Uh, downhill. Yeah, Jim Rash and Nate Faxon too. Yeah. did uh, way way back, and have some good credits to their to their names. That that's a remake of. I don't. I'm maybe you guys know this, but maybe our listeners don't. That's a remake of a Force Majeure is the movie at all. At all. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Didn't did not work at all. Uh, trying to to kind of make it goofy humor. Uh, didn't 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 do well. I just uh, noticed a comment on my letterbox, and there's only one comment on it, and it's from. F- 40 weeks ago, and it says, where the F is Sonic? <laughs> From some, some random person on here. Uh, where did Sonic end up? 41 on my list. Uh, 41. I'm not kidding you. It Dirt was in the movie. top 10 until like July. It was literally in the top 10 until like July. So what's your next one on your list, Brian? Uh, number six for me. Now, now we're getting into like, okay, this is oh, yeah. actually... These are bad movies. Uh, still not like historically bad until top four, maybe. But but yeah, this is a bad movie uh, that I did an episode on with a VIP. I don't think you guys ever saw it, but it's hit Disney Plus. It's Artemis Fowl, uh, which was very bad. <laughs> very. I, I I think people really like these books, so I you know whatever you're trying to find new franchises and, and things like that. And I'm for as somebody, I mean, I have a seven year old. I would love for there to be some more franchises that are sort of a step down from the superhero type movies, but are you know still maybe a step up from like animated stuff that's that's pretty low quality or mid quality. Uh, but this this is not it. So. The, the kid who I don't even look up his name anymore. It's the kid who plays Artemis Fowl is is pretty pretty terrible, and uh, it's another one that I would expect that the the well known cast, the Colin Farrells and uh, and Dame Judi Dench's of the world that are that are a part of this cast probably don't remember that they did it, and uh, it was a, it was a pretty big flop for uh, for Disney and, and Disney Plus overall. So. Number six, Artemis Fowl. Yeah, smart on them. I did not see this one, but smart on them to realize, hey, this one sucks. Let's just put it on Disney Plus, not mm-hmm. charge anybody yeah. anything. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe somebody will subscribe because of it. <laughs> that's the that's the best we can hope for at this this point in time. I don't understand the uh, strategy with New Mutants to say, no, this is definitely coming out in theaters. Maybe because they knew it was so bad, they didn't want it on Disney Plus as a premiere. <laughs> They didn't want to have to promote it as like come to Disney Plus to see this terrible movie. So they just threw it out mm. in theaters in the middle of a, a pandemic and and it came and went and some X-Men fans went and saw it, Brian included. And that was it. And it's done. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah. I wonder where that, that would have been bottom five for sure. New Mutants. It's all good, Brian. Um, Richard, what, go ahead and go next. Absolutely. Happy to go next. Uh, next one for me is it, you covered it already. Ken, it's Call of the Wild. Uh, you know, just weird dog animation just takes you out of the movie completely and you're wondering the whole time, you know, how did they not run dailies on this on the with the animation and go, you know, maybe we go in another direction or we just don't release this because there's no point in doing this. Uh, this is going to be the dog. So, yeah, just bad, bad CGI dog acting. Not great. Not great. 
Well, my next one on the on the list was Hillbilly Elegy. Elegy. Actually, uh, next one is the Tax Collector. Remember this one, guys? Oh yeah, that's coming up. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's my next one on my list. We'll talk about it here more at length. After that, it's Eurovision Song Contest. Did you see this one on Netflix? I did not see this one. This was. I was I couldn't figure out if it was a real movie or not. Like I was very confused by oh, it's a what movie. it is. So I I don't know. I and then it kind of came and went, and I I let it I let it go. So I didn't see it. Yeah, two Will Ferrell movies for me in the bottom ten. It hurts it hurts tough. my soul. It's tough. Love me some it's Ferrell. That period. But, but yeah, it happens happens to the best of them. And this one was rough. It's uh, so long. It's like two hours long, and about. Forty minutes in, I was like, "Geez, how how much longer is this?" And I paused, it and I was like, "Oh, I'm out. I don't. I don't think I finished it. Uh, it was, it was bad." Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, Will, come on. What? It's it's a very like Blades of Glory esque movie, and Will Ferrell doesn't need to be doing those movies right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't. He needs to be making smart choices. He doesn't have to be doing that. But I mean, when Netflix is saying, "All right, here's ten million to make this dumb." Dumb comedy, I'm sure. That's appealing for him. But yeah, that's my next one. Uh, go ahead, Brian. Number five for me is Super Intelligence on HBO Max with oh, Melissa McCarthy and Bobby Cannavale and James Corden. Uh, you know, there's a few hints. You know, the dream there. team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of tired of saying this, but just in case we have new listeners, I think, I think you guys are, are, are on the same team as me in this. Like Melissa McCarthy, think she's talented. Think she can do some fun stuff. I think she can be funny. I'm not not enthusiastic about uh, this kind of comedy. I don't think it's it doesn't suit her well. It's beneath her. Uh, she should be doing something. She's she's more talented than a movie like this. And yet, maybe it's Hollywood's fault. Maybe that's the you know she gets twenty calls like this over one call for something that's not like this, but. Uh, and I think her husband was the writer director, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's some internal pressure at home to to do this one. But, but good gracious, it, uh, it was, it's not funny. It made no sense. Uh, you know, pinning a lot of the movie on James Corden, I think, is probably not a great idea either. At least his his voice. It was, works for cats, though, so that that's where I have to push back yeah, a little bit. It's a good point. It's a good point. Oh, how I how I long for the days of 2019 with cats and and James Corden and and all that stuff. No, this was just it was just a real bad movie that I got to see for free and still felt like I was ripped off. So not not good. (laughs) That's always good. Yeah, (laughs) Richard and I felt that way about Now You See Me and the rest is history. (laughs) That's right. All right, Richard, what's your next one? Yeah, next one coming up is uh, is what we've talked about twice now already, I think, is Project Power, or Project Power, as we call it on this show, <laughs> like we call uh, Ragonk, Thor Ragonk. Uh, no, Project Power was, uh, you know, it's one of those Netflix movies that would have been bad in 2016, and then you go, well, guys, it's 2020 now. We sh- Hopefully, you've gotten these out of your system. Uh, but yeah, just kind of very by numbers, very cheesy, very like kind of straight to video type movie with big stars in it, which is like the exact kind of thing I wouldn't be in if I was Netflix. But you know, if it got a ton of views, it got a ton of views. But for me, it was just a really tough watch. We didn't talk about Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this Steve Gleason jersey either. 
Because he's from New Orleans, man. I just, I'm, I'll leave it at that. That guy's had, man. I'll leave it at that. I know, real hot and cold. He was the like biggest star in the world for like four months. I think he'll, I think he'll, he'll come back around again. He'll get like a, like a Paul Thomas Anderson or a, or a Tarantino role here or Fincher or something. I think he's still well liked among good directors. And, uh, yeah, I've got faith. I got faith in JGL. So there's hope. All right. There's not hope for this next person, and it's my next <laughs> worst movie of the list. It's Tom Hardy and Capone. It's oh, my man. number three worst of the year. Ooh, Tom, what's going on, man? Pairing up with Josh Trank. I mean, thought that would have would have worked out to turn things around for him. Uh, inaudible again, and you know what more do I need to say than then Tom Hardy poops himself multiple times in the movie. And that's, that's the height of method acting. You know, I wonder how many times he practiced that uh, going that into That was it, a but. selling point in the script for him. Remember yeah. those, those articles of him reading the script and being like, oh, yeah, I'm in. If I get to poop myself on screen multiple times, that's how I know it's a movie for me. And it's, I don't want to spoil the movie, no. but it has one of those classic tropes that I hate in films where – Something awesome happens, and then it's like, oh, nope, that was a dream. <laughs> you know, it's like, lock. <laughs> so, yeah, it was one of those, man. It was, it was bad. On as good as it could have been, very low on the scale, Capone. <laughs> and, and it was Redbox later. Films who acquired this one because it was made like three years ago. Nobody <laughs> would buy it. And uh, I think it was called Fonzo before that, you know, and Redbox bought it. They said, let's change the name to Capone, throw a Tom Hardy on the cover, and boom. Some people are going to be at Redbox. They're going to say, that looks, that looks good. And they're going to be suckered into getting it. And I'm sure it worked fine for him, but they think they pay like $50 million for it or something yeah, crazy. it was like, expensive. Yeah. Something nuts. But uh, wow, really bad movie, Capone. It'll, it'll come up again. Yeah. I All feel, right. I feel pretty confident. So. All right. The next one on your list, Brian. Number four for me is a movie you already mentioned. Kento is the tax collector. Uh, ah. I'm still actually a little, little angry at both of you because uh, I watched this for an episode and then hopped on the air and we were like, let's just not, let's just do news instead. And I was like, well, I just watched this crap. I, so we anyway, all did. Um, we all did. <laughs> it would not have been worth your time. Uh, this, this should have been the uh, the harbinger of things to come for for Shia LaBeouf in in 2020. Uh, this movie's just just flat out terrible, and I'm not. I mean, genuinely, there's there's not one redeeming thing about uh, about this movie, and and it it should have never seen the light of day. So number four for me, the tax collector. All right, Richard, next one. Yeah, I'm going to do a couple here because I think I'm a little yeah. behind. My number five is uh, Devil All the Time. A lot of backwoods for Kent. Mm. Um, and just like a, a, a one of those movies, that it, better made than some movies uh, behind on this list, but so relentlessly bleak and such a... Uh, and, and bleak can be fine, but without the kind of the the taste to, to pull it off. So I, I didn't care for, for that at all. Um, and number four is uh, We Ain't Going Nowhere. Because we bad boys for life. <laughs> man. Yeah. I liked bad boys for life, man. That's like, uh, let's see here. 26 on the list. I, it was on a plane uh, in November 
that I was on and I watched it again because everyone around me was watching it. Big plane hit. Um, and I was like, this is, I, I actually had logged, I did, couldn't get into my letterbox, but I went to my notes and was like, make bad boys for life worse in your rankings. Like made myself a note <laughs> on, you know, at 30,000 feet between here and Mexico city. Uh, so yeah, I didn't, it's, it didn't hold up even for nine months or whatever. It was, hmm, I have to watch it again for me at least. All right. Uh, any more on your list? I could do a three because we've already talked about a lot of the ones on mine. Downhill, just super disappointing. Yeah. Uh, Farrell makes a lot of bad movies now. He's in that stage of his sort of comedic leading dumb. But you would you would hope that being paired with with JLD and that writing piece would be like, oh, this is going to be a quiet little funny Farrell movie as he moves into that next non blockbuster comedian part of his career. And it was even worse than a lot of his mm-hmm. crappy blockbuster stuff. So. Just a just a bummer, and uh, yeah, with Kent, the good setting, good idea should have been like a uh, a family classic for a long time, but just just a real not funny, mo- pardon me, not funny or good film. So, uh, yeah, Brian, Kent, you guys, I right. got two left, so I think I'm caught up. All right, uh, I've got two left. I'll go with my number two. I've got three. It came out later in the year. I don't know if you guys saw it. If so, we haven't talked about it. It's called Songbird seen this one no gosh no i refused i refused to watch michael bay pandemic movie that was that was where i drew the line on 2020 yeah michael bay produced this and uh you know as soon as a pandemic hits first thing you want to do is try and make an action movie about uh, said pandemic uh where in the production gets shut down for for pandemic violations and not not (laughs) well the movie centers around covid 23 so that's something we all want to be thinking about right now in, in terms of fantasy and, and entertainment. Uh, Bradley Whitford's in the movie, so bad. Let's just, let's just say it's the most cliche thing you would ever expect from a, a movie. There's a, there's a big plot that involves like wristbands that you have to get to prove that you're immune or vaccinated, and like people are fighting over them, so that's a thing. And there's a scene with, I think it's actually on the poster, with like, two lovers that have been torn (laughs) apart by quarantine and there's like this glass between them and they're talking through the glass and leaning on the glass and kissing the glass like i just want to be with you but this this covid you know it's just the most over dramatized bullcrap uh it's one thing to make a movie during uh you know the times but like if you're gonna do that make it make sure it's good make sure Mm -hmm. it's like got something to say that uh Maybe brings hope. This was so terrible. And it's just capitalizing on the moment in one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah, Songbird. <laughs> Alexander nice, Daddario, nice. though. So, yeah, I mean, there's some, some fun people in it, but like, it, I mean, it could have been. It could, they could have had the cast of M- Mega Shark versus, yeah. you know, Volcano <laughs> Monster in this, and it would have been the same. I would have graded it the exact same. It did not matter. It was so the script and plot and just overall execution concept of this movie was so dumb, so bad. Man, I want to see Mega Shark versus Lava Volcano people or yeah. whatever that was. That yeah, we'll write awesome. that one up. Uh, there you go. Okay. All right. All right. I'm gonna like I've got to. I'm in number three, so I'll go. Yep. I'll do two here to get us up to number one. Uh, my number three is Unhinged with Russell Crowe. Although I'm a little nervous, me saying this, he may come after me on Twitter. So we'll see. Uh, this, <laughs> yeah, he was right about Master he, Commander. I stand by that. That's true. He he was right. He was right. Uh, it's just you know, 
it's the Kevin Durant thing. Like, you know, you have a lot of money. So exactly. Maybe True. Put Twitter away, I'd say. Um, have you, either of you guys watched this? Is this coming up or what? Am I the only one? I, I wanted to, what, but unhinged? then I, you told me yeah, how bad it was yeah. and I bailed because it seemed terrifying. Okay. I, uh, I watched it last week and I kind of liked it. I'm sorry. Oh no. Yeah. Wow. It dude wow. It, it, it had like a kind of a kind of an Alfred Hitchcock kind of thing to it. Oh, you know, Lord. like Alfred a, Hitchcock is so it mad at you right now. It reminded me of that movie you. Duel with uh Steven Spielberg, you know, where <sighs> I mean you to me there's a <laughs> to me there's a real world application of this of like you do. This happens all the time. You you you, you flip somebody off no, on the road. No, just, this does not happen. This all doesn't the time. happen you all do the not time. Yell at somebody this exact movie on the road, like, and they they find your family and set them on fire. That yeah, does not happen. I know that is it, that doesn't that, happen. But but the the uh, I, I don't know man. the the spark of that does happen, and, and like I don't know, it's the most extreme version of what could happen in that situation. Uh, yeah, but like it's still. Yeah. Not out of the realm of possibility, oh, which is what blew my not plot blew my mind, oh. but made made it pretty entertaining for me. Is like there are definitely people like yeah. this out there, like this Russell Crowe yes. character, and that's terrifying. And that's what this. I agree. About. Look, man, Richard, he invoked Alfred Hitchcock and Steven Spielberg in that. In that, one scene. good that's, director, wow. man. That's crazy. Wow, well, uh, no, like of it reminds me <laughs> of something there. they would have done, like. <laughs> Like, I don't know, just a, a woman being stalked by a guy that she pissed off at a stoplight seems like something, you, seems like a great can, concept, right? You can talk me into the idea of this, and th- and that's what I thought I was getting, was, and I wasn't really enthusiastic about it, but whatever, you know, uh, the the idea of yell at somebody in the in traffic and then road, ra- road rage causes that person to follow and try to kill you. I t- yeah, like oh, obviously that 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 I can understand where it just completely goes off the rails and becomes the the second worst or third worst movie of the year for me is when he then figures out how to track instead of just following her and attempting to kill her, he then tracks down every person in her life that she's ever talked to and murders <laughs> yeah. them in the most gruesome way possible. Yeah. And I was like, this, yeah. is this a Saw movie? Like, it's like a B movie. Right it's kind of like that. It's awful. It's kind of like, like a ridiculous, insane horror movie, you know? In a way. Yeah, no. I, 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 don't, I don't want... I kind of like Eli it. Roth kind of crab can get can get right the heck out for me. Um, no, <laughs> that was absolute garbage. Absolute garbage. I don't know why Russell Crowe had to be oh. be like like 100 pounds overweight for the role. I didn't understand that that added to the character, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, now he's going to come after you. There's, there's something there about an insane person... Like that, you, yeah, that you keep it on the roads that you totally like had a had a chance encounter with in public and remembering that and like a day later you see that person you're like what are they still following me you know like that that creeped me out in a way I don't know it's weird no kind of terrible liked it. half star like on Letterbox um, <laughs> number two is either a movie that you guys have forgotten or is coming up at number one or maybe you didn't see it. Richard probably didn't see it but our boy Vin Diesel did a movie at the the very beginning of the pandemic, they were trying to get this out in theaters. I don't think it did very well, but I don't think it would have mattered. It's Bloodshot. Um, that's just just absolutely atrocious. And uh, you know, I like Vinny D, but it's, it's it's definitely not his best work. But but like I always say, 
if you sh- if you get a script and you read it and you're like, eh, I mean, maybe, and you call your agent, you say, hey, I'm thinking about this. I mean, it's a good payday. Who who else is in this movie? And they and your agent's like, oh, you know, Toby Kebble. You got to, nope, I'm out. I'm out immediately. You can't can't be in a movie with Toby Kebble unless he's the ape in a Planet of the Apes Apes movie because it's Toby Kebble is a is a clear sign that your movie's going to be terrible. Uh, and Bloodshot is very very terrible. Yeah, it's my worst of the year. Okay, Bloodshot. Bloodshot is maybe it's like ballistic x versus sever level bad <laughs> yeah 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 i agree with you makes no it doesn't make a lot of sense even in its own universe too you know the wor- so. it's the worst possible mm-hmm. possible uh result of a, a superhero movie yeah mm-hmm. it's yeah whew, whew. that's the worst movie of the year in my opinion yeah i agree with you what what's your worst uh brian yeah, it's uh, I, I, I now I kind of want to see it when you throw ballistic X versus Sever out there, a classic. Yeah, uh, what's your, yeah. what's worse than b- b- Bloodshot, Brian? Number one for me is Capone. Uh, that oh, was, that was one of the that was one of the least enjoyable movie watching experiences of of my whole life. Uh, so, I, I I did I put it up against Bloodshot and I tried to weigh it out and. Uh, yeah, like I, again, one of my my pearls of wisdom is if the protagonist in a movie poops himself many times in a movie, then I, I think that's got to be worse than a movie that that doesn't involve the protagonist pooping himself. So uh, Capone, I, I've had enough with Tom Hardy. I don't I don't need to see Tom Hardy in a movie again. I, I don't think ever. <laughs> wow, I've had enough. I've had enough. He's good. We as we said on the episode, there was a there was a time when I would have wanted him to be Bond. Um, I don't feel that way anymore. I don't. I don't want it. I don't. I don't want to see him anymore. I'm. I'm. I'm tired of it. So number one for me is Capone. All right. What's your worst one, Richard? Binder, I've got two and one left. Uh, Hillbilly LG was number two. Uh, we talked about that. Just super pandering and nonsense. Uh, my number one is Capone. Nice. So. Then yeah. we aver- if we average it out, that's the worst between the three of us. Yeah. It was number I- three for me. Or, if I uh, poop yeah. my pants like the character, it would be the results would be better than that movie. So, yeah, maybe <laughs> Josh Trank's worst movie. He made fantastic, fanforstic. So, I don't know. Linda Say Carlini, what are you doing? I love you. Yeah, well, what are you doing? karma. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. That's what she gets. <laughs> Broke up Corey and Topanga, so she can make this for the rest <laughs> of time. <laughs> yeah, we know why Matt Dillon was in it. Uh, all right, <laughs> was, uh, let's go to best to of the, the year, poop, guys. Obviously, <laughs> let's let's transition the best of the year. Uh, if you want my middle of the year, uh, again, <laughs> look at Letterbox and see where the kind of those middle tier movies ended up falling on the list. Uh, but I'll mention some honorable mentions here. Uh, some few that 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 uh, maybe slightly out of the top ten, but deserve a mention. Uh, so I'll start with uh, let them all talk. Steven Soderbergh movie, Meryl Streep. Did you guys see this? I did. I thought it was fine. I yeah. liked it. Yeah. Really enjoyable. Really enjoyable. Um, a Sputnik. Did you see this uh, little uh, sci-fi movie? I did not get time for that one, no. Oh, it's nice. Uh, it's Cold War era uh, sci-fi movie. Worth your time if you're into uh, good sci-fi. Sputnik. On the Rocks. Deserve to mention. Really enjoyed On the Rocks from uh, Sofia Coppola. 
This one caught me by surprise around the holiday season. Did you guys see Fat Man? With, I did, With yeah. Mel Gibson and, uh, and Walton Goggins. This thing, I, this was one of the most entertaining movies of the year. It didn't make my top 10, but like it was hard for me not to put it in there because if I was being honest with myself, like this surprised me in a good way, probably more, more than any movie this year, maybe. Uh, it was like, so basically uh, Mel Gibson plays Santa. Santa really exists in the real world. His name's Chris. <laughs> and he lives yeah. like in Alaska. Uh, and Walton Goggins plays this uh, guy who's been wronged by Santa and goes out to, to like assassinate him, basically. So you got assassin Walton Goggins and Mel Gibson as real world Santa, but it's like some of the th- some of the mythos around Christmas is explained like in real world ways. Like they treat it totally legit, you know. Like this is a, a real thing. Really, really fun, enjoyable, like weird R rated. <laughs> Christmas action movie that I didn't expect. So Fat Man was a pleasant surprise and deserves a mention. You saw it, right, Brian? I did. Uh, I read the synopsis and I thought that it was like a, it was going to be like a mall Santa thing, right? Like that Mel Gibson's character right. was just like a, some angry mall Santa. Like and bad then, Santa. Yeah. Yeah. And then like 15 minutes in, you're like, wait, hold on. So he's Santa. Like he's Santa Santa. Like he's literally, yeah, he's lived for hundreds of years. Santa Claus yeah. thing yep. here. Yeah. And no, what's yeah, funny I, I, is the I government, yeah. the government's working with him to like, yeah. mm-hmm. like produce weapons at the North Pole in the off season. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's, it's like all this crazy. It's stuff. really not a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a dumb movie. It's, it's dumb. Kind of, it, it's so yeah. well like, executed though. Yeah, it's so it's well, like, like it's the craziest, dumbest screenplay you would ever see, but the way it's done and it's, it's like that whole thing, you know, where Richard and I talk about it all the time. The more serious you take things, the funnier it is. And mm. this, the way they take this 100% serious and treat this like a real action movie makes it so much funnier, in my opinion. And it's, it's like not a lot of laugh out loud moments, but it's meant to be a comedy, I think, in a lot of ways. So Fat Man was certainly worthy of a mention. Uh, rounding out my honorable mentions here, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. You guys watch this one? Yeah, I did. I watched that ago. one as well, yeah. Loved it. Oh, man. What a wonderful, wonderful movie. Love me some some jazz jazz music. I, did, I didn't uh, realize this was all kind of a secluded uh, story, you know? It kind of takes place in a, a few locations, some really powerhouse performances that I'm sure we'll be talking about later in the year. Uh, and it certainly deserved a mention. Another music-related movie here that deserves a mention, Sound of Metal. I'm surprised that's not in your top 10, to be honest. Yeah, think, and here's the like reason. that was a, a Kent movie. Here's the reason. It's, it totally is a Kent movie. Uh, but I watched it at night. My wife was sleeping. I watched it with headphones. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I if if anyone knows knows me, you know, I've done music and done podcasting for a long time. So, you know, audio and music's been a big part of my life for a long time. This movie gave me so much anxiety that I almost couldn't mm. watch the movie. <laughs> like, because yeah, like, of watching it with headphones, like, this will win every Oscar for sound mix and sound edit. You know, it should. Definitely for sound mix. The way that they portray Riz Ahmed going deaf in the movie is so effective that it gave me, like, a panic attack. <laughs> and mm. so on the rewatchability scale, this is, like, a negative on me. I probably will never yeah, never true. watch this definitely one again. True. Um, but mm-hmm. it was so well done 
so effective that it gave me panic. Like I had a, a time a couple of years ago where I thought I was losing my hearing and I went to a doctor and I did the exact hearing test he does in the movie and all that. So, so like it gave me, gave me a, you know, bad panic attack about uh, losing my hearing, but it was so well done. The, the, the thing in the movie where they show you how he's hearing with the implant, you know, <laughs> I, mm-hmm, if you've seen yeah. the movie, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. I mean, it mm-hmm. was, yeah. This movie was incredible, and he deserves best actor. Uh, you know, Chadwick Boseman might deserve it, um, but Riz Ahmed was fantastic. But that's why it's out of my top ten is because I'll probably never watch it again. But it was certainly that's fair. certainly great. Um, and then one more I'll mention is Love and Monsters. Mm-hmm. Had to mention that one. Really enjoyed Love and Monsters. Yeah, I love. I, lo- I really like that one quite a bit. Um, those are in my honorable mentions as well. I did a piece on our blog uh, with my top 10 that didn't make the top 10. So, you know, numbers 11 through 20 um, that I published today. So you can check that out, madaboymoviespodcast.com and find the blog. It, it's on there if you want to, if you want more of that. A few of my honorable mentions, uh, The Vast of Night, which I loved. I think I was, yep. I did a re- weekly recommend on that at some point. In the in the in this year, Uncle Frank on Amazon Prime, Paul Bettany is really good. I I think he, I mean, this year was so weird on the acting standpoint, and he doesn't seem like he's actually on any Gold Derby or or Variety's list or whatever. If if I was putting together a a ballot, I think I might have him as a as a best actor. Same, he's really good in that. Really, really good in that. So good, um, and I love Paul Bettany. It's just nice to see him do something that's not, you know, being a being a weird monk or a vampire hunter or something like that. So uh, I enjoy that trial. The Chicago seven just barely missed for me. I, I felt like I had, I don't know if y'all, if y'all feel this way or not, but I, I, I had sit, let me look at my list. I had seven movies that I was like dead set. Yes, this is my top 10, no matter what. And then I had another six that were kind of competing for those last three spots. So I, I don't know. I kind of had a top 13, I guess. Uh, yeah, the trial of Chicago seven was one of those. And then news of the world, which I, which I just watched last night, definitely the dad movie of the year, but I really, I really enjoyed it. And I thought Hanks was great. His great chemistry with the, it's Hanks V Hanks in the, uh, in the the dad movie movie category. Yeah. Greyhound. I had ahead of that, um, on my list, but, uh, I saw, I liked news of the world. The only thing I I disliked Mm -hmm. about it, we didn't do an episode on it. Maybe we will in the next month if there's nothing, nothing out, but, um, it's like, I don't know, it hit every Western movie trope I've ever <laughs> seen in a movie. Maybe yeah, that's for sure. that's why for it's sure. like, all right, we're going to have a scene where, where um, he's sniping people on a cliffside. And then we're going to, you know, like there's, there's mm-hmm. a lot of that in it, which is fine. Um, but maybe that's, that's why um, it was low on my list is because it is exactly what I expected it to be, <laughs> you know, and that's yeah. fine. It's fair. It's fine. Totally fair. I mean, that's, you know, you, you're, you're right. You do kind of, it was very paid by numbers and you knew exactly. Greyhound was a little more, I think, uh, uh, I was entertained a little bit more by Greyhound just because it was like something I'd never seen. Yeah. The condensed timing of Greyhound was cool. You're like, Oh, this is five days and they're just awake and stuff. The kind of 24 aspect. That one ship the whole time, you know, some cool sea combat I'd never seen. Uh, Yeah. I think Greyhound, deserve to mention, but, um, but yeah, man, news of the world was, was strong to quite strong. I can see why they would have saved it for the end of the year. I mean, I, could, I think yeah. Yeah. maybe it had a, a chance really and, and 
some scenarios. I dug that, dug that a bunch. Last honorable mention for me, it was man was tough. I I had it in my top ten until uh, I watched a, another movie le- late last night, and I felt like it had to be in my top ten, so I had I had to bump one out. But it was uh, uh, last honorable mention's promising young woman with uh, Carrie Carrie mm. Mulligan that I really dug quite a bit, and uh, don't don't really want to have outside the top ten, but you got to have ten. So uh, that's that's where I ended up with that. Arby, you got any any honorable mentions, or you want to yeah. start us on your ten, or what you got? I've got four as well. I've got Promising Young Women as well. I've got Borat two. I've got or a subsequent movie film. I've got Greyhound, and I have Trip to Greece. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, I don't think you guys have. Have you guys watched any of the Trip movies? Not or? yet. No. No. I love those, man, and it's probably the worst of the four, but. It's those are those kill me. So those are great, and the cinematography is so beautiful on them. And I love the kind of looseness of the plot and uh, the locales and food and everything are just fantastic. But yeah, those are great, and uh, I'd love to see them do more. I'd love to see them come to North America, but we'll see. But yeah, Trip to Greece is on there. Uh, those are my those are my honorable mentions. All right, here we go. Let's get into the top ten. Brian, you want to kick them off? Sure. Number 10 for me is a movie I never would have expected to be on uh, on my personal top 10, just given my the, the uh, genres that I enjoy and do not enjoy. But one of the first movies we saw from 2020, and it, it stuck with me through, uh, through the course of the year. I'm glad that it came out in February, so we got to see it in a theater. I, I do think maybe something would have been lost from, uh, from watching it for the first time in my office at 1 o'clock in the afternoon or something, but... Uh, is a anyway number ten for me is is a Invisible Man with Elizabeth yeah. Moss who I thought was just incredible incredible in that movie and really impressed with Lee Wanell and what he was able to do with it. Uh, what if that had been the first Dark a, Universe man? If they just led with that, I know, right? Yeah, could have been really cool. Could have been really cool. So I, I hope that it they are able to launch that sort of scaled down version of the Dark Universe that they've kind of talked about. They are. I they, they're, I think they're doing the Wolfman but, next with, um, okay. who is yeah, it? Yeah, somebody yeah. somebody really cool is uh, starring in that. Bradley Cooper yeah. or somebody like that. I don't Maybe know. the Gauze. I think Gosling. Gosling, yeah, that's who it is. Yep. Yeah. Regardless, uh, I look, I don't like horror movies, but this was, to me, was like the best way to make a horror movie. Well, I mean, it really was a suspense movie, so that's, uh, you know, I guess maybe that's a cop-out, but I, I loved what, what Winnell did and just made it a an edge-of-your-seat, thrilling, creepy movie without ever, you know, I could sleep that night, so, you know, I never got to the place where I was like too creeped out or whatever, but I thought I thought it was fantastic and and uh, Elizabeth Moss was just absolutely incredible. She, I mean, she's always great. The, the last few years, the stuff that she's done post Mad Men is just like even movies that I don't really like. I always walk away being like, man, she was so good. And same with the uh, oh goodness, I'm sorry. What's the show on Hulu? The uh, uh, Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale. Sorry. Uh, yeah, she's. I I can't I can't watch that show, but she's so good at it. So Elizabeth Moss, awesome. So number ten, Invisible Man. All right, Richard, what's your number ten? Yeah, my number 10 is uh, aforementioned Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, snuck into my top 10. Um, interesting stories. Very Sorkin-y. Great performances. Didn't totally come together as like a number one movie of the year. Like I think we all thought it probably would be, but it's still an exceptionally good film. Um, and an interesting story that is not that well known. I hope this kind of gets whatever the equivalent of TNT treatment is <laughs> in 2025. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I think it'll actually be best watched that way. 
So, um, so yeah, Trial of Chicago 7 is a, is a very good film, and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I can't wait to watch it more, as I do with most Sorkin films. Yeah, it's slightly outside of my honorable mentions, along with uh, The Gentleman and Onward. It's kind of in that uh, range for me. And, yeah, I mean, this was one that I had in the Best Picture uh, group, you know, towards the end of the year. But right now, I think it's kind of the outside looking in. And mostly all all categories, but uh, it was a very very strong movie, and it gave me faith in Aaron Sorkin as a director moving forward. So that's a that's a good one. My number ten is uh, one I don't know if you guys saw, um, but I caught it uh, towards the end of the year. Uh, it's Shit House. Did you guys watch this one? Nice, nice. Yeah, it was in my like you know somewhere in that like nebulous fifteen to twenty range, something yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, you know that title might turn you off. Uh, that's the name of the uh, frat house in the movie, or the the party house. Mm. So this is a an independent movie that was, uh, you know, IFC Films, and uh, it was made by a, a local Dallas director. Uh, you know, young director here. It's his first feature. Um, but man, I was so impressed with this movie. Um, I'm not I'm not gonna not just because of the Dallas connection. Um, this one really had a lot of heart to it, man, and. Mm-hmm. And it was so pure. It was so emotional. Um, it's about a kid who goes to college and just doesn't quite fit in at college. And I don't, I don't speak for you, you guys, um, but it, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you you can tell I didn't fit in in college. You know, I didn't have that great uh, a great college experience. So I certainly like you know more than a movie. I don't know. Like everybody wants some. <laughs> where it's like everybody having a great time in college, you know, this is kind of the opposite of that. And somebody who goes there and, and it's not what you expect, you know, and, and how do you deal with that? And, and, uh, with your family back home and things like that, it's got such Richard Linklater undertones to it. I mean, mm-hmm. like, like really, really feels like a sequel to boyhood. I mean, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Like the tone, the cinematography, the and music. people kept selling it as I know, because that's who produced it as a, uh, you know, what are the brothers that do all the uh, mumblecore movies? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the the gotcha. Duplass brothers. Yeah. Jay Duplass. Like, yeah, they were selling it as like a Duplass, and I was like, it's kind of underselling this. It's much more of a Linkwater vibe. Oh, man. It, it's it's like the exact sequel to Linklater. I mean, to Boyhood. If you watch this right after Boyhood, Boyhood kind of ends with, with him going to college, and this starts with him going to college, you know? So it's kind of a spiritual sequel in, in, in that terms, but I mean, this is, it's a really well, well done. Cooper Rafe is the actor, writer, director who did this. Mavs fan. Too, Watch so out for this guy, expect. man. This is a, this is a really impressive <laughs> debut. And I was, I was kind of blown away by it. I expected it to be like really student film level, um, work, uh, which it is a student film, but it's like, wow, this is a good movie, <laughs> you know? And, um, it's everyone. I, I think in a normal year, maybe this could, this could have been a hit. This could have been like an under understated hit. You know, if this this gets kind of a little limited release and then gets some word of mouth, and then I think this could find an audience on on Netflix and all that if if it gets there. Um, but again, no one got to see this because of because of twenty twenty. But I've seen some of the Discord that got to got to watch it and really enjoyed it. But it was it was good enough mm-hmm. to make my top ten, and I, I didn't. You know, I had a little bit higher, but um, there was one movie that that jumped it towards the, at the end of the at the end of uh, making my list here. But yeah, number ten, Shit House. What's your number nice. nine, Brian? 
Number nine for me is a movie we did. I'm, I'm looking at my list. I'm trying to think of how many of these we didn't we didn't get an episode on. I think I only have maybe two uh, that we did we did an episode. But uh, anyway, this one came out in uh, in July, I think on uh, on Hulu, and it, it was a nice respite from from the other movies that we were trying to get through at that time period. And it stuck with me. I've watched it a time or two since then, like in the background. And uh, so number number nine for me is Palm Springs with yeah. uh, Sandberg and Christina Milioti. It's in my uh, list as well. Very nice. Well, yeah. it'll come up later, so I'll... I'll uh, no, not, you go nuts. You talk about it. I was just saying I, I concur. Love the idea. Yes, I, I've seen some criticism of like it's just it's just Groundhog Day or it's just this movie or that movie. And you're like, yeah, I, I know. Well, that's that's okay. It's 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 a... It's a well-trod concept at this point, and uh, it's about to me. It's much more about the the actors and the comedy and whatnot. It's the only movie on this list that's actually what I would say a comedy. And I love the chemistry between the two leads. Love Sandberg, love Milioti. I, I and I thought they were really really fun together. And uh, and J.K. Simmons was really cool in, in his bit as well. So uh, yeah, Palm Springs is is a really fun solid watch. Did you? Did I tell you guys I'm currently binging Brooklyn Nine Nine? Finally, I don't think I've told oh, you. Oh no! This. Nice. Yeah, nice. I've been saving it for years. It's kind of the last of the sure verse that I need to, and I've seen many of them. I just never sure. gone through um, like season towards the end of season three now. So I'll be done here pretty soon. But uh, nice. yeah, loving it. It's, he's he's such a Sandberg's become. I never would have guessed this. Uh, and this this movie. I'm not talk, not just Brooklyn Nine Nine, but speaking specifically about this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I never would have guessed on SNL that he would have become this good of an actor, but he really is. He's sure. become very good. Yeah, I totally agree. He and Andre Brower on that show just oh, yeah. are the perfect, unreal, perfect combination. Yeah. That show's amazing. Good stuff. I love it. I love Brooklyn. Yeah, and yeah uh, that'll come up later. Come up later. Okay, uh, yeah. Richard, what's your next movie? Number nine. next movie is a documentary. I had to include it because uh, it's most fun I had this year. I think I'm going to say The Last Dance, but I'm not. What rhymes with dance? Lance, baby. The two-part Lance Armstrong doc. I love the movie. Thought it was one of the more interesting sports docs of the last couple of years. Uh, really, like it has like the anti-hero protagonist, like a Breaking Bad or something. Um, and so, uh, and you know, a lot of cool footage of uh, the French Alps and things like that. But I thought it was just a really well put together documentary. Love the Last Dance too. It Last Dance is probably even a better doc, but like. I can get away with saying two parts as a movie. Yeah. At like sure. eight parts or whatever that one, six parts, whatever it was. It's like, this is television. You know what I mean? So it's just like mm-hmm. too many parts. Sure. But uh, that's the only reason I chose this one over that. But both were great. Great uh, ESPN docs this year. But uh, in, in weird COVID years, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and add those to my list. All right. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. That did you watch one. that one yet, Brian? I think you told me you did. but Or maybe that was Kevin. I have not watched it yet. I'm hoping... There's like a couple things that... Um, I w- I knew weren't going to count on my list that I'm hoping to catch up on on the next, totally. next couple of weeks, and that's that's one that I, I expect I'll get to for sure. I think even in being firmly anti cycling, which I totally understand and support, I think you'll really enjoy it. <laughs> it's a really okay. <laughs> you'll know like 30 seconds in, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, it has one of the best <laughs> openings ever. <laughs> Great, so very nice. All right, what's your number nine, Brian? Number uh, number eight for me. Number eight. So this is the movie that uh, I, I watched late last night. I, I mean, I literally I finished it at like three three thirty in the morning, um, and it's it's ultimately what kind of bumped "Promising Young Woman" off my top ten. It's "One Night in Miami." Have you guys seen this? Uh, I know it, it literally it just came out like two days ago. Is that a twenty twenty? 
Yes, it is. It's up for Oscar this year for for 2020. Oh so. shoot, I would have watched that one. I thought that was I thought that was going to be one of our first of the year to to review for the new we, year, but uh Sure. Sure. Cool. I'm glad to, glad to hear it. We can still do a review for it and I'll go I'll go short uh cuz I don't I don't want to mess things up for us long term, but I I uh and that's something we're going to have to deal with this year more than ever before, I think, and then going into next year is there's a bunch of movies that like uh, Judas and the Black Messiah comes to mind that are technically 2020 movies that are going to be eligible for the Oscars in 2020, but not just, Hey, it's a small movie. It's limited release, et cetera, et cetera. Like literally it is not available to people. So, uh, you know, I don't know how we, how we classify that for next year's episode, but you know, that's uh, problems we can deal with now. Yeah. But anyway, one night in Miami is really good. Regina King is the uh, director. She's fantastic. I love her. I love her on screen. Love what she does. Thought she did a fantastic job directing this. Uh, it is it's sort of a a uh, fictional night in which uh, Malcolm X and uh, Muhammad Ali and Jim Brown and Sam Cooke are hanging out together in a hotel in Miami after uh, after Muhammad Ali defeats uh, Sonny Liston, and it's got some of the best acting of the year. I and it was uh, it just really I was very impressed with the way this is based on a stage play. Uh, which I think is the same thing that uh, uh, Ma Rainey, yeah. Rainey's, yeah. Rainey's excuse Wilson, me, Black Bottom was. Black and, Bottom is an August Wilson play. It's a really good play. Right, I yeah, yeah. One, that one, my issue for that one, which was a very good film that I think will get a lot of press that it very much deserves, why it's not on my list, I could not shake the feeling of I'm watching a play, not yeah. a movie. And it was really, really tough for me. This one was kind of the opposite. Uh, it really, it worked very well as a movie to me. And uh, I thought it had three really great performances and then one pretty decent performance. Uh, Eli Gorey, who plays Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, I felt like was maybe maybe doing a little bit more of an impression than actually a performance, I guess. And it, it didn't quite work for me as well. But uh, but he also had the hardest job of the four of them because Muhammad Ali is so still so omnipresent in the culture and stuff. So it's a hard deal. But yeah, it's, it's really good. Regina King is just, she's fantastic. And uh, so anyway, maybe we'll talk about this one later uh, in, in a couple of weeks or so. But uh, yeah, this was this was number eight for me and, and a, just a really, really good movie. Awesome. I can't wait to watch that one. But yeah, I thought that was 2021. I was saving it for this week. Uh, but yeah, I'll get to it. My number nine on my list is Minari, which was our last one that we reviewed here on the main feed. I loved I loved Minari. I thought it was um, about as good as it can be, if not uh, slightly under that. And uh, it was one of the you know, more hopeful movies of the year, which is a, mm-hmm. a year that we needed some hope. And it provided that. It was so well done, and I hope it gets some Oscar love here pretty soon. So it was an easy, easy entry into my top ten when I saw Minari. Loved it. Very nice. Coming up, uh, coming up later. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Richard, do you have, have you done your number nine? I have done my nine. Yeah. Okay. Hit us with eight. Eight. I've got, uh, one from very early in the year last year, the kind of movie that I never really thought I would see again. And if I did see it again, I didn't think I would enjoy it. And certainly not this much. Um, but it's the gentleman, like a good kind of guy, Richie crime film, Mm. um, with a fun cast, really enjoyed it. And uh, these are movies that I enjoyed when I was like 13, 14, and, and then they were all bad for 20 years. And then it was cool to kind of throw it back into that genre. And I really, really enjoyed 
all the performance. And uh, I, I hope he doesn't get back into a rut of keeping making these movies, but it was cool to revisit it. And uh, it was a way better than it needed to be. And plus, you know, obviously Hugh Grant. So I have to bump it up my list. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, really fun movie. I agree. It was slightly out of my honorable mentions, but I, I think it deserves, deserves some love. My number eight is The Five Bloods. Spike Lee. Nice. Love this movie. Delroy was my number one actor, you know, probably going into as late as like November of the year. And he, he was great. Such an entertaining movie. I, when Spike is on, there's almost nothing better. <laughs> you know, like when Spike mm-hmm. is doing Spike things, you know, like he did a few years ago, kind of the return to form with Black Klansman. This is right along those lines. And it was such a powerhouse in a lot of areas. And so, um, the five bloods was an immediate entry into my top of the year list when it, when I saw it and stayed there the entire year. So that's where it is on, on me is, uh, on my list is number eight. So, uh, hit it with seven, Brian. Yeah. The five bloods, another one that's going to come up, uh, come up a little later. One of my favorite episodes we did this year too. Yeah. uh, Our buddy Terminator Marcus. Um, Number seven for me is was a movie you mentioned in your honorable mentions, Kent. It's Sound of Metal. Uh, I I love this. Uh, I thought it was. It, I, you're you're a hundred percent right. It's not a movie that I'm going to rewatch very frequently, if ever. Um, it I don't really do anxiety too much, thankfully. But but it I can totally understand how it would it would put because it is a, it's kind of a stressful. There's a big a difference between watch. watching this one on a TV and watching it with headphones. Like I made, sure. that was on me for yeah. Watching no, I totally it. get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did I? What am I doing to myself? Yeah. But yeah, no. It, w- w- the the sequence when he gets his uh, cochlear implant, yeah, and oh. it, it's the all the sound has that sort of metallic quality to it. Is it was stressful. It's really rough, and it was uh, I think pretty eye opening as well. Uh, but yeah, that, Riz Ahmed. I don't know if he's going to win Best Actor, but I'd be shocked if he's not nominated for Best Actor. He was fantastic in this, and I thought that the. I just thought the sound mix and the, the the way that it was all put together, especially in those moments. Uh, I mean, when he's losing his hearing and the sound drops out, and then again with the implant and stuff. I mean, it was it was just a really, really good movie that's not enjoyable at all, but is very, uh, I think, very heartfelt and and has a lot of uh, a lot of authenticity to it. So I dug, I dug it quite a bit. That was uh, number seven for me. And that's on Amazon Prime too. So if you if you haven't seen it, if you're a Prime subscriber, you, you've got it for free right right now. So check that out. Yeah, I'm glad it made your top ten because it was um, it was uh, about as good as it could be, man. But um, yeah, it gave me <laughs> gave me uh yeah, let's just say not good feelings. But uh, but yeah, that, a good movie does that though. You know that, that that's the sign it was effective, right? If it made me feel that way, that means oh, it yeah, worked for right? sure. For so. sure. Uh, Richard, what's your next movie on the list? Yeah, my next one is one we talked about a little bit earlier. It's Palm Springs. Uh, cool. Really kind of a fun surprise. We heard this got bought for the most ever at Sundance when it did, and we were kind of like, that's weird, especially since like <laughs> these, you know, this is different than a lot of Lonely Island stuff, but Lonely Island things tend to not do that well at the box office. And this was a nice little surprise hit for for Hulu and for everybody. And like this was really talked about amongst people I know. Like a lot of people watch this. Uh, people mm-hmm. I didn't even know had Hulu. So, uh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm happy for everyone involved. Really, as original as a very, like you said, beaten down concept can be, this this operated within it. You know, it's like making a four-chord 
rock and roll record, you know? It's like, yeah, we've heard all these before, but if you can find the, the inventiveness within those little moments, uh, you, you can make something really special. Yeah, that'll that'll come up again a little bit later for me. My next on my list at number seven is Promising Young Woman. And I watched this past week. Nice. It's incredible. Have you seen it, Richard? Yeah, it was on my honorable mentions. Just missed my top 10. Gotcha. It's actually my number 11. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Holy crap, this movie. We won't do an episode on it. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Yeah. But there's so much to like about this. This director, Emerald Fennel, had no idea about her. Watch out for her. <laughs> she yeah, was a writer sure. on uh, Killing Eve. This is her first mm-hmm. movie. I mean, directed the absolute hell out of this thing. I mean, great movie. The, yeah. Some of the shots in this are some of my favorite cinematic shots of the year. The lighting in this thing, oh my god! The performance from Carrie Mulligan, holy crap! You know, Bo Burnham's in this thing. Uh, you know, Christopher Mintz Plus, aka McLovin, shows up. Allison Brie, Laverne Cox. Mm-hmm. I mean, this thing. Everybody's just bringing their A game, and um, oh my god! I don't want to spoil it. Because uh, we haven't done an episode on it, but what an ending, what a movie, and an easy, yeah. easy entry into my top 10 when I saw it. My wife saw this one separate from me. She she watched it like right when it was available, and I, I kind of waited towards the end of the year, so I was fresh on it. She just kept telling me, it's like, have you seen it yet? Have you watched it yet? Tell <laughs> me when you've watched it. I want to talk about it. And I could tell why. Yeah, it was uh, it was incredible. Promising Young Woman. I hope it gets a Best Picture nomination. Yeah. Like I, It's one of those movies, it's like on the borderline, like content-wise, of what a movie should be nominated for Best Picture, but like, yeah. I think I, it should. I think it's hurt <laughs> you know? too by, and we'll see what the screener game is like this year, because people might just eat up screeners like never before just to have this stuff, but um, it's one that definitely would have built, I think, a lot of momentum at festivals, you know, um, mm. that, that across the whole summer and early fall, just kind of constantly showing it all these festivals and building up buzz and building up buzz. Definitely that kind of movie. And it didn't really get to do that, which is a bummer. And great to see yeah. Carrie Mulligan again. I haven't seen her. In, I think we said last week, I hadn't seen her since great Gatsby. <laughs> it's like 2013 I've or 14. i the biggest fan of hers. And that, that movie was like, Oh, I get it now. Like this is, she is incredible. And in I mean, it, it really, I was looking forward to Francis McDormand and 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 Nomadland, which which for me at least will come up, and maybe for you guys as well here here in a bit. And was like when I saw the trailer for Nomadland, I thought, well, that's there's the Oscar right there. Like there's it would take an otherworldly performance for Francis McDormand not to win the Oscar on this. And Carrie Mulligan might have done it. Like she might she might be the uh, you know she might be the favorite coming into to Oscar nominations and and it would be de- deserved if if that's the case. She's so so good in that movie. So I'm glad I made your list, Kent. I hated having to to bump it, but it was last one out. Yeah. What's your next one, Ryan? Number six for me, I assume, is on at least one of your lists, if not both of you, and and probably a bit higher, so we can talk about it later. I I assume, but it's uh, it's Mank. It's David Fincher and. Yeah. And Gary Oldman, which we did an episode on and uh, kind of went into this one, maybe not dreading it, but like not looking forward to it, I think, as much as you guys were, perhaps, and uh, was was very impressed with the way that it was done and and how much um, how much fun it ended up being, because I definitely did not expect that coming in. Uh, it's It's definitely an intense movie and has a lot to say and all that sort of stuff, but it also was fun watching Gary Oldman go to work and uh, 
the sequences, especially with him and, and Amanda Seyfried, I, I loved. I thought they were really good. And, and Oldman is, I don't know, maybe he's not a shoe in for an Oscar nomination at this point, but he probably would be if, if it's my, my ballot. So make, make it number six for me. My number six was Palm Springs. We've already talked about that. It's, it's, I did not think I'd have it higher on my list than you guys. Apparently I did. That surprises me. And my number five was The Invisible Man. And that okay. one was my number one of the year for a long time. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that and Sonic. <laughs> like I said, Sonic, Sonic was on the top 10 for a long time. It was hard, believe it or not. Uh, but yeah, man. So Invisible Man ends up at number five on my list uh, when it's all said and done. But those are ones real that we've rewatchable too. I didn't. I don't know if I said that when yeah. when I put it on the top. It's way more rewatchable than I would have guessed totally. for me personally. Yeah, and so is Palm Springs, and that's why I put it so high. Mm-hmm. Is because I think sure. I watch it a lot more. Um, for sure, if it wa- way more than some of these. Uh, what's your number five or six, Richard? If we haven't already mentioned them, it, number six is Invisible Man. So we could just move right along. Okay. Um, my number five is uh, American Pickle. Oh, uh, I like nice. that one too. Nice. Yeah, uh, Simon Rich film. I love Simon Rich. I'm a huge fan, so I'm totally in the bag for it. But I, I thought it really worked. I watched it again pretty recently, and uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. So that's probably my the one I'll have that you guys don't have anywhere. But but I, I liked it a lot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in my top five at number five. Nice, very nice. Rogan was really good in that man. The dual role is tough. He did a great job with that. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah, I had it slightly below Bad Boys for Life and above. Kajillionaire, which I don't know if you guys saw mm. that one, but yeah, it was a, better than I thought. Had a lot of heart, very clever. Really liked American Pickle. It. Um, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a modern fable, and this pulled it off. You're a f- yeah. sucker for any any pickle related content. That's true. Too. I do love pickles. So that yeah. was an easy <laughs> easy entry. Well, uh, all right, Brian. Let's let's go uh, with your next entry. Number five for me, I expect this is the one that's not on either of your lists. I think I heard it in, in your honorable mentions, Richard, or can't, I can't remember. But uh, It was one of us. You know, the hard thing with these kinds of lists that I every year for me is is trying to balance best with favorite and rewatchability versus like that one great experience. Except, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to do a... A top ten, a top list, you know. Uh, but this is the one that I've rewatched the most, in part because I have a seven year old. Uh, it was in so number seven, number five for me is Onward. Yeah, nice. with uh, the 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 lesser of the two Pixar movies. So that may give you a hint as to another movie that's going to come up here in a bit. Yeah, well, um, but I really like like this movie a lot. I've I've watched it a ton. Cooper has gone through a couple phases where he has like wanted to watch it every day for a week or so. Uh, he's 21 just, now, right? Mm-hmm. He'll be 21. Yeah. yeah, yeah he's, he's got some issues, mm-hmm. but he's still not allowed to watch anything that's rated higher than the PG. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very sense. strict. That's yeah. good. That's that. Yeah. He's that like track. Jack. You can bump up to PG 13 when you bring me a college degree, big guy. <laughs> Robin Williams, Jack. Uh, and we want graduate, not none <laughs> yeah. of that bachelor stuff. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Masters or higher, sir. Um, yeah. I really, like I'm a sucker for the, surrogate father figure thing too that this movie did so well and uh, i love pixar movies in general and uh i have not seen this on too many top 10 lists of the year so i I think i'm probably in the vast minority on this but that's okay i I really dug the movie a lot and and i know that i of all the movies that are listed in my top 10 this year i think that's the one that i'm most likely to to rewatch over and over uh through the course of the next couple of years at least so onward number five awesome all right uh Tip my top four for you guys. Number four. Yep. I'm at, I'm at number four. My number four is 
Tenet from Christopher oh, nice. Nolan. Interesting. It's my number four too, so we can just we can there you go talk about it together right now. Yeah, man. Um, such high concept, such a, a tough movie to pull off. And I think we said on the episode, I won't I won't bog you down, so you just go listen to the episode. But um, I think it'll take years for us to to fully appreciate this movie for what it is, for how how difficult it it was to pull off, for some of the some of the things they did that have never been done in movies before. And, you know, to, to come up with some of the concepts purely on paper and then to have to execute them in a movie is, is very tough. And uh, yeah, man, this was a, an experience for sure. And one that I probably haven't stopped thinking about. And I watched it, uh, after it, it came out on Blu-ray, really enjoyed it, really enjoyed the, uh, the making of the movie too. It's, it's fascinating too. If you want to see how they did some of the reverse shots in the movie, all that kind of stuff. But, um, Tenet. Really, really liked it, and it's an easy number four for me. What about you, um, uh, Brian? Yeah, you go, Barbie. You you want to, you have anything to add on? My four was Barbie? also Tenet, so we can yeah. we can just go right to you. Yeah, Ken okay. said it very well. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Tenet missed my top ten, and that's very wow. weird and disappointing for me. I mean, I still it was like fifteen, seventeen, something in that range, um, and I I liked it. I liked it. A lot. We you guys are we, we are higher on it than the seems like the masses are. Um, yeah. you guys are way higher at this point, but uh, yeah, it's just not my not my favorite Nolan by any stretch, and probably the least for me as somebody who has really loved I think all of his movies up to this point. It's it's one of the ones that I'm I'm less likely to uh, revisit with much frequency moving forward, but we'll see. Uh, number four for me is Nomadland, which we talked about last week, so I don't think I need to go in depth on it, but really dug uh, really dug Frances McDormand. Obviously, I think Chloe Zhao is great. I'm very excited to see what she does with Eternals and just pretty much anything she wants to do from now on, I'm, I'm very excited to watch, so dug it quite a bit, and if you want longer thoughts on that, for me at least, I don't know, maybe come up on, on one or both of your lists here in a second, uh, but you can check that episode out that we did uh, just a week or so ago. Richard, you got number three? I do have a number three. I'm going to keep my tradition going of uh, hating every minute of watching Pixar movies, but then still putting them very high on my list because I'm not an idiot. I recognize how good things are. Uh, number, uh, Soul was my number three movie of the year. Really, really masterful, incredible story with some of the best animation I've ever seen um, and just a really, really great film. I mean, I don't even really want to call it. It's definitely not a kid's movie, really. It's like this whole other, I guess, family film, but not even that. It's just this really smart interesting animated film um and i i really liked it's the morality to it and the like, like all things with pixar um the story was drove everything and was was really interesting and innovative and uh yeah so soul's my number three it's my number three as well oh can't you and, and i and you know like i've been saying this whole episode in terms of how good it can be i think this is a five out of five stars it's as good as it possibly could be, man. This was uh, another perfect movie for Pixar. What can I say? And an easy, easy entry into my top 10, top five. Very hard for me not to put this as my number one of the year. I mean, I I cried. And um, that's, that's tough. It's tough to get Kent to cry. I'm emotionless. <laughs> but yeah, soul was... Whew. I guess this, this if this one best picture, I'd be like, soul. yeah, great. This this is a legendary Pixar movie. I feel like you know, I feel like once every five years we get like get like one of those um, 
tentpole kind of kind of Pixar movies, and I don't think there'll be mm-hmm. a sequel to this or anything. But like, this is one that people are going to be talking about for a long time. I think it's wonderful, wonderful movie. Number three for me, Soul. Nice. Number three for me is Defy Bloods, which sat. It was. It's been in that like one two range all all year for me, or since June, I guess when we when we saw this. Great episode on it, like I mentioned earlier with uh, with Terminator Marcus. I think uh, I think Delroy Lindo was just magnificent. Spike Lee, one of the best things he's done in in ages from a, from a director standpoint. Really timely and and relevant and and uh, man, I I was I was very very impressed with this one. I don't know how how frequently I'm going to revisit it in the future, but it was it's it's such a good movie and one that. Uh, I think came at a really good time for not just our, not just our country and and the things that uh, are and were happening at that period and early, but also I mean on a much smaller scale was very I think it was very nice for us too for this podcast like like because we just come off of really not getting to see movies for months and uh, and having this pop up and it was like something to look forward to and it it actually got a piece of the cultural conversation for a little while and uh i really dug it it's it's a it's a great movie and and i i fully expect it'll be heavily represented uh at the oscars in, in some form or fashion i hope so i hope so i think it certainly deserves it what's your number two richard my number two is the five bloods so we can oh, nice. we can uh, we can just keep, <laughs> keep that your, keep that uh, rolling thunder, yeah man, when there's sorry. only 11 new movies a year it's actually kind of easy to all be on the same page <laughs> um yeah so really like you said ken earlier when you when you talked about it when when spikes spikes on a nice little run here over the last x amount of years and um this was so so well done so many i mean such a deep deep roster of performances in this and such an interesting mix of genres. You know, there's each scene of this film is, is almost an entirely different genre in some ways. So, uh, really, really love the, the way that story was told and told. And it's cool to see spike kind of being true to himself in terms of his, like, I don't know, political or social sensibilities, but also Mm -hmm. doing that with like interesting art and not just getting lost down that rabbit hole of, you know, uh, that happens sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, a civil rights films or, or, or any kind of political type thing. Sometimes people focus so much on the morality, which is really admirable and great, and also then sometimes forget to make good movies. Um, mm. yeah, I love when people are able to combine those two things. And uh, yeah, he's he's become really expert at it. So uh, he's always been expert at it, but it's fun to really see him do that in sort of, sort of more of a, I guess what I'm saying is more of a, a pop sensibility while still maintaining that edge Agreed. instead of doing something like... Um, you know, it's like made for what was the one that's the boom, boom, uh, oh gosh, bamboozled, bamboozled, you know, which is like a really interesting movie, but that movie's for like eight people that are like mm-hmm. interested in that piece and it's really bright and really smart and really well made. But this is something that like a lot more people can, it, it gets those ideas a lot more accessible to, to people. So I think it's really interesting. Yeah. All right. My number two of the year is Mank. Wow, that'd be one for Yeah, yeah, man. Gosh, so good, so good. I'm big Citizen Kane guy. We we did an episode on this, but mm-hmm. um, for Fincher to add something to that legacy is is great, man. I love I, lo- I love David Fincher, and might have some some more to say about him here here coming up in a few weeks. But like, 
gosh. I mean, this one was circled at the beginning of 2020 as, as, as one of my most anticipated, and it lived up to the hype, man. I thought it was maybe the, one of the more well-made movies of Fincher's career when it mm. comes to the actual um, filmmaking aspect of it because it was so, so different from anything he's done. Such a, such a departure for him. But it's also so refreshing to see him do something different and, and uh, you know, work on his dad's screenplay and have some passion for this project. It, it really it really showed on screen and 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 all the people involved brought it. And Trent Reznor's s- score of this is. And by the way, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross win twenty twenty yeah. with Soul and and Mank. I mean, good God, yeah. those are two incredible scores. And they'll they'll and they'll Sonic. certainly take they the Oscar. This, they did the score for Sonic oh. too. Don't forget. Oh, that. I thought they did the, uh, the score for the New Mutants as well, but I guess not. Uh, yeah, man, this was perfect. Loved Mank. Loved it so much. And and I think the buzz has has certainly faded since it came out. I don't expect it to win anything at this point. But man, if I was voting, I'd, I'd certainly give it a Best Picture, Best Director nomination, probably probably Best Screenplay, and uh, Best Actor nomination for for gary oldman i don't think it wins any of those maybe but it, it certainly would get my uh my attention my consideration so yeah make my mm-hmm. number two very good very good number two for me is soul so you guys both mentioned it at, at three or whatever uh yeah one of the it's like i said on the episode it's just it's so tough to compete with other pixar movies it's probably a i don't know number seven pixar movie of all time for me something like that but it is one that's it really stuck with me. I've watched it two or maybe three times even, just kind of in the background. Uh, the concepts are just really, I don't know. I'm just really impressed with the world building that went into this, so that a movie like that, that really probably didn't even need to have that kind of that kind of world, but the attention to detail on everything. I, just, I was just super impressed with it. I mean, Pete Doctor. I think P. Doctor maybe just sets out to make movies for me, and so uh, that's maybe that's helpful. I'm I'm certainly biased at this point with him, but yeah, I, I dug Soul quite a bit. I'm and I'm very, very, very pleased with how that one turned, and that we got to see it this year. That it wasn't one of the ones that got bumped, since it felt like everything got bumped forever. And maybe we'll get to see them someday. But uh, yeah, number two was Soul. All right. Well, I'm gonna recap my top ten, and then uh, then we got to yeah number ones. Number 10, Shithouse. Number 9, Minari. 8, Defy Blood. 7, Promising Young Woman. Palm Springs, The Invisible Man, Tenet, Soul, Mank. And my number one of the year is Nomadland. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Love it. Love I figured it so when much. you called Mank at two, I was like, all right, I was wondering if it was going to go Mank, Nomadland, or Nomadland. But Mank was number so. one until Nomadland. Sure. And it had all the, all, all the Kent Garrison notes that I wanted it to hit. Uh, like I said, in the episode, and go back and listen to that. It dropped last week. Uh, I realize no Madeline will be out in more wide release here in the next weeks and months, but um, it's monumental, man. I think it it uh, says so much about the American way of life in 2020. And you know, if you're going to reward one movie that defined 2020, I think that that might be the one. You know, if they're not going to give Songbird any credit for what it brought <laughs> to the table. Yeah. So yeah, man, loved, loved, loved. Nomadland. I love Chloe. And that's, man, that's amazing, Chloe. That's two of my top movies of the mm-hmm. year now for her. Yeah. And Watch uh, out, I think Chazelle. that's most most of any director. She's, she's coming for Kent's spot, man. Yeah, Chazelle, Chazelle might, might be up there. I don't think Whiplash <laughs> was number one 
the year that it came out, but it was on the top 10. But yeah, Chloe, I love you. Keep it up. And that's my number one, Nomadland. What about you, Richard? Trial of Chicago 7 at 10, Lance at 9, The Gentleman at 8, Palm Springs at 7, The Invisible Man at 6, American Pickle at 5, Tenet, 4, Soul, 3. At number 2, we have The Five Bloods. And at number 1, Mank. Yeah, loved it. I love Citizen Kane as well, like you. Uh, and I love Fincher and Gary Oldman and everything. I just thought this was a really... Uh, I, I really like my like top four this year. I've, I really loved all films. Uh, they're all kind of equal in a way. So like this isn't like number one with a bullet for me. But I think... When I think of last year movies, they'll probably be the movie I think of. So it got the mm. it got the nod there for me. But yeah, what a what a great uh, what an interesting story. Um, you know, it's hard to say things about credit attribution. Attribution are important to be told, but it's cool <laughs> that that story was told in that way. And uh, a really, you know, a love letter to Hollywood without you know being too too uh, patty on the back. So yeah, I loved I loved Meg so much. So number one. Boom, Brian. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah, uh, I didn't put, just for the record, I didn't put any documentaries on here. I never do. I don't ever put documentaries on this. I think it's a different medium. And I also excluded Hamilton, which was probably the thing that thing overall that I watched the most this year and maybe enjoyed the most. That was such a fun experience, but I, I don't think, it's not a movie. I mean, it's just, it's a yeah. taped play production. So I just felt like, it didn't, it wasn't going to, but if I did, that's probably, it's no lower than like number three or number four, but I just think it was, it's a different thing. So didn't count that. Uh, number 10 was Invisible Man. Number nine, Palm Springs. Number eight, One Night in Miami. Number seven, Sound of Metal. Number six, Mank. Number five, Onward. Number four, Nomadland. Number three, Defy Bloods. Number two, Soul. And number one was Minari, the last movie that we oh, reviewed nice. here in, uh, on, on our episode, did a full episode on. And uh, maybe there's some recency bias to that, but I thought Stephen Yoon was just fantastic. I loved the messaging of the movie. I loved the uh, the way that it took its its setting seriously. I loved the interaction between the parents and the and the kid and the kids. And I'm, then one of you mentioned previously that it's just such a felt like such a hopeful movie. And I, mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. And it was a really good way to cap off the 2020 movie year for me. And uh, that was, so that's, that's number one for me is Minari. Loved it. It was my top 10 and yeah, that's crazy. I, I don't think there's ever been a year where three movies I've seen in the last week make it to the top 10, but that mm-hmm. happened with me mm-hmm. this year and all, all worthy entries. Yeah. You know, I mean, every year I said, this is somebody on Twitter today uh, who was asking if we were going to do, I think it was a promising young woman episode. And I was like, well, no, probably not because we're about to wrap up the year and start moving into 2021 movies as much as we can. Um, I mean, it's all, but it's always this way. We always get 50 movies that come out between Christmas and, and New Year's Day or something as everybody stretches to try to get their movie in before the before the Oscar window closes and all that sort of stuff. But it is rare, at least for me, I think. Uh, and maybe I'll have to go back and look at my lists and, and uh, find out that I'm an idiot for saying this. But I, I agree with you, Ken. It's rare for me that... So much of my top 10 is from the, you know, the last month or so of the year. And I think it's just because this year, especially so many things kept getting pushed back and held on to. And I guess we'll go ahead and release this now at the end of the year instead of holding it for next year. You know, that kind of thing. I just think there was a lot of that that kind of added to this 
sort of, uh, I don't know if recency bias is even the right term for what we're saying, but yeah, uh, I yeah I, there's a lot of movies on my list this year that, that were, that I, that I watched in December basically yeah. or, or January. Yeah. I think I had three on my list, my top three, soul bank and Nomadland. I think those three would have been in my top five or 10 in most years. Mm-hmm. But as far as the rest from, uh, you know, from five to 60, who knows, yeah. <laughs> who knows, mm-hmm. but that's what we got in 2020. And that's, that's the way you ranked them. We appreciate everybody for sticking with us throughout the year. We're sorry. The movie draft, all that kind of stuff fell through. We did the best we could. We'll do, we'll try and do better, um, next year to, to quote uncle Tony Kornheiser. But, um, <laughs> but thank you so much again for, for supporting the show and, and listening but we do this every year. We're going to watch all the movies of 2021. We'll be back here around this time next year to wrap it all up. And, and we do this every single year. We have for the past eight now. And wow. we'll continue going forward. So thank you for listening. And thanks for being a, a subscriber to the show. Uh, please leave us five stars. If you've been listening to the show and, and you enjoy us on a weekly basis, that really, really helps uh, keep the show going. And become a VIP if you want more episodes than just what comes out here on the main feed. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Mad About Movies. I'm Kent Garrison on Twitter. Brian's at Beagles12. Richard's at Richard Barden. You can find my work as well on The Athletic. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll hopefully see you soon in 2021 at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. 